to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. Merry Christmas. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. This is America. We say Merry Christmas. We don't say Happy Holidays. This is a Christian nation. And I'm not I'm going to be damned if we let the liberals and the progressives take Christmas away from us. I'll be damned if we let that happen. It's our God-given right to be Christians and to say Merry Christmas. And I don't care what Starbucks does with their cups. There is a war on Christmas, and we will win it. Hooah! I can't keep this up. <laughs> Merry Christmas, though, everybody. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, I don't give a fuck. Just be kind to one another, whether you love baby Jesus or not. But tis the season. It is Christmas week, and uh, I hope that as difficult as it is, that y'all stay away from each other in big groups, please, for the love of God. We are so close to a vaccine. Next Christmas, hopefully, we'll be able to get together. Halloween, Thanksgiving, all the holidays that you celebrate. We've made it this far. Don't blow it now. Don't blow it now, people. Um... I, uh, I I apologize. I was supposed to get Brenda Marie Davies on this episode. Something came up. Uh, we're going to have to postpone her interview, but that's going to be okay because I'll try to make this a good one even though I'm flying solo. Next week, we do have Hemet Mehta, a.k.a. The Friendly Atheist. Uh, I'm, it's Sunday right now when I'm recording, and I'm going to be talking to him later. So, uh, I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, before we get into it today, I just want to um, remind everyone that I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mjdistefano. The link is in the show notes. I use that as a way for people to pay things forward or to pay it back, however you want to view it. I'm doing as much stuff as I can for free or on the cheap, yo. I got books that are hella cheap, $3.99 or less, the Bonfire Sessions, $0.99 cents for all three sessions, $3.99 for Heretic, $3.99 for From the Blood of Abel on Kindle now through the end of the year, and then it'll go back to normal price. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to pay things forward by doing as much stuff as I can free with the hopes that people who have the means and the desire to pay it back by signing up at patreon.com slash mjdistefano to support this show and all the other content that I create. And as a way to say thank you, I give you as many books as I can for free. My lectionary uh, blog series in PDF form is on there. I've got videos. I've got um, different writings that are only available for Patreon. So huge shout out to people who do sign up for that. Really appreciate it. Um, If you haven't done so yet, head back to uh, the last couple interviews that I've had. They've been fantastic. I've had Ralph Palendo. I've had Jason Elam, I've had Mike Morell, and go going back further, Katie Valentine, Michelle Collins, Keith Giles, Derek Day, Kyle Butler, Matt Cortman, 
the whole fucking crew. We're getting as many cool folks as we can on this show. So make sure you check out, uh, you know, the last few episodes and um, be on the lookout for the Bonfire Sessions Winter. It's coming out January 20th. It, too, will be 99 cents on Kindle. So hearing great things from my launch team. If you're a part of that, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cannot launch books without a cool-ass launch team. And they have nothing but um, amazing things to say about the booklet. Calling it the, the, the rawest real conversation that they've read about. So that's the goal. Me and Mike are not writing dissertations. We're not writing theses. We are literally modeling how to have a conversation. No matter what the conversation is about, there's no outline. There's no, we need to get from point A to point Z. There's nothing like that. It's literally like, let's have a conversation, see where it goes, and just trust the fact that two people who have the view of just having a conversation for entertainment, for uh, personal value, for growth, that that will lead to something that's that's worthwhile reading. So it looks like that's the case. So, you know, check it out on January 20th. But in the meantime, let's get into it today because I think I have a good one. And um, I'm writing the follow-up to Heretic. It's called Apostate, naturally. So we've gone from Heretic Happy Hour to Apostates Anonymous. We're also going from Heretic to Apostate. So we are we are sledding down the slippery slope that Christians warn us about um, into the fires of Dante's Inferno. Uh, <laughs> but in Heretic, in Appendix B, I have a, uh, a little essay here called Could It Be the Satan? Uh, a kind of a playoff SNL's church lady, right? So in it, I give the kind of historical development of the being called Satan. Now, I don't personally believe Satan is an ontological being. I don't think Satan lurks around the shadows and pulls the strings of demonic forces and is trying to battle God for the souls of humanity and will ultimately lose in some epic, eternal, spiritual battle. I don't believe in all that. However, I do believe Satan, or the Satan, is very real. And um, so what I'm going to do, I'm kind of going to, I'm going to, in an appendix in apostate, I'm going to piggyback on this appendix in heretic, and I'm not going to necessarily go over the development of historical thought again and all that. I'm simply going to make the case that human community engages in the satanic mechanism of accusation, execution, scapegoating, gossip, and all that, and I'm going to focus primarily on the ironic thing that is Christianity engaging in the satanic mechanism. And I'm going to hopefully do it without being accusatory myself. Hopefully just to shed light on the fact that we do not need an ontological being called Satan because we are Satan. Now, just, just look at like uh, the, the book of Job. The book of Job is like bookended, chapters 1 and 2, and then a couple chapters at the end. And there's this being named Satan in it. But if you notice chapters 3 through 37, there is no being called Satan. But there is Satan. And what I mean by that, I'm not being contradictory, I don't think. 
what I mean by that is there is Satan in chapters 3 through 37, and the community community is Satan. The friends who go to help Job at first, they go from being friendly and, and helpful and, hey, man, we're here for you, to being accusatory and inflammatory. And they start making shit up about Job. They start to say, oh, he's sinful. It must be sinful because that's what our theology teaches. If your life is fucked up, you were fucking up. Then they go making shit up about Job that he's like damaging the lives of widows and doing all this kind of shit. And, and, and the human community becomes Satan. Now, does that mean Satan doesn't exist? No, not necessarily. If you believe Satan is a literal being, fine. My point that I'm going to make is that you don't even need any of that because we are Satan. And when I say we, we all are Satan at some point. I'm going to focus on the ironic part that Christianity is playing the role of Satan. We've been doing it a long time, and I've just seen so much of it recently. And I don't know if it's because I'm out in the public eye to some degree. I mean, not like some people. I'm not famous or anything like that. If I were, it'd be more infamous, actually. <laughs> but um, I'm not famous by any stretch of the imagination. But I am out there engaging with the public. On my Patheos blog, in the first 30 days that I was on there, uh, there was something like 50,000-something 50 some, 50, um, visitors to my blog. Now, that's not a ton. It's not millions. But it's 50,000. You know, if you're saying, hey, I spoke to 50,000 people this month. Um, you're going to see a wide range of different people. Most people don't comment, so you don't know who's seeing it. But the people that do comment, predominantly Christians. There's some people who I know who are going on there to support me. That's fantastic. Most people, though, who comment on things are detractors and haters. And so, you know, like when I talk to people about how absurd Christianity has become, they always like to say, oh, you're just, you know, you're just going to the fringe stuff. You're just going to the outliers. Most people are not like that. Okay, fair enough. But my pushback to that would be most people don't put themselves out there in order to see the shit. Most people just go to church on Sunday, maybe Wednesday night on Bible study, and they kind of already believe what everyone else believes. They're not rocking the boat. They're being a good Christian. They're not pushing back on much. Um, so they're not, they're not seeing what happens when you have an alternative perspective. And I will tell you this right now, that when you have an alternative perspective, even if you're not inflammatory, like sometimes I write some of the most benign stuff in the most loving of ways, no cuss words, nothing like that. And I still get people saying some of the harshest accusatory shit. And this is what I'm going to focus on in one of the appendix, appendices um, of apostate. And I'm going to use these quotes. I'm going to read them to you right now. Because this is just in the first 30 days of being back on Patheos. That this is the, this is the stuff that people have said to me. And I want to read one, two, three, four, five, six. Six things that people have said. Just based on some of the articles that I've written in the last 30 days. 
I'll save the first one for last because it's the <laughs> it's by far the best. Uh, deserves a uh, Pulitzer Prize. Um, so I have an anonymous commentator. Well, they had initials as their as their uh, as their name, but I don't know what the fuck they stand for. "Quote: It's obvious that you hate God, Jesus, and Scripture." Now, this is fascinating to me. It's obvious that I hate God, Jesus, and Scripture. Now, this was a comment on on um, I believe an article that I wrote about me about me probably not being a Christian, but not not being a Christian. And what I meant by that is that I don't think of the term A and B, um, it's not necessarily helpful to me. Now, depending on how you define Christian, I may be a Christian, but I don't affirm the Nicene Creed. I don't sit there and, and say that's my mantra, the Apostles' Creed. I don't, I don't have this sort of relationship with God where I have to label it in the correct way. I try to experience God first and foremost and have an experience with Christ. I read scripture vastly different than uh, evangelical fundamentalists. I take it too seriously to take it literally. So, so, but that to, to someone then means that I hate God, Jesus, and scripture. Now, of course, I don't hate God. I don't. I, in fact, I don't necessarily even believe in a, like a personal deity or deity that I can hate. I mean, it'd be like saying I hate love, and I don't. I, I've experienced love, and it feels like pure bliss. So uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it's possible to hate love. I think our ego can reject love and reject those things for sure. But at the core of our being, I don't think it's even possible to. It, it, I think we are love incarnate. So anything that takes us away from love is not like our true essence coming through. Um, but it's just interesting that so we go from I disagree with who God is, what God is like. I disagree with um, how scripture is to be read. Therefore, I hate God. Do you see how it gets from the from the disagreeing to the accusatory? From the disagreeing to the demonizing. From the disagreeing to the scapegoating. I don't hate God. I don't hate Jesus. And I don't hate scripture. But to this person, I do. It's simply because I, I don't know what label I fall into and I don't think about it. So, next one. You are a liar. Well, first and foremost, uh, it goes on, but let me just pause there. I'm not lying about anything I write. If I am anything, it is not a liar when it comes to where I'm at theologically, philosophically, anything like that. What you see is what you get. The words I write in my books, the things I say on this podcast and Heretic Happy Hour are anything but a lie. I never lie in that way. I've lied, of course. But when it comes to where I'm at theologically, I do not lie. I, I might be wrong, but that is different than lying. I may be absolutely wrong about things. In fact, I know I am. I I know for a fact that I cannot exegete every scripture in the Bible, in the Apocrypha, in the Bhagavad Gita. I cannot read Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates and exegete them perfectly. I do not know all the facts about Christian history, Jewish history, Buddhist history. I do not know all of that. 
There are things that I do not know, but I do not lie about them. I hope you see the difference. We can be ignorant to something. We can put out a thought that ends up being wrong. In fact, I know I have. I read back my first book all set free and I say, ooh, I don't think that anymore. I don't, I'm not there anymore. I don't think I'm necessarily way off base, but that's where I was then and it's not necessarily where I was five years later now. But I did not lie, even though I disagree. He goes on. I'm assuming he, men, men are the ones who write this shit. Women, unless you're a Karen, y'all, y'all are, y'all are pretty chill. It's the men who, who are insecure here. Um, the LGBTQ wants all kinds of special rights, even to the point of forcing people to accept them. That is not a special right to accept someone. That is called equity and equality. Just because the LGBTQ community dares to demand equal rights does not mean you, Mr. Cis-Hetero White Man, uh, loses their rights. Don't be so goddamn dualistic. Um, They go on. I'm not going to accept their chosen sinful lifestyles. Fine. You do not have to accept anything. You are entitled to be an entitled uh, person. (laughs) You you don't have to accept their, their... they're them. You don't have to. You should, but you don't have to. It's not going to be forced upon you. You could be on the wrong side of history. That's cool. They don't choose their their sexuality just like you didn't choose to be heterosexual. You didn't sit down one day and say, huh, I'm going to choose Becky over Jason. I'm going to choose to be attracted to girls rather than boys. You didn't choose that. Okay, unless you could point to a day where you're like, I'm choosing hetero for the rest of my life. Don't say that they chose to be gay. Because you look pretty damn ignorant when you do. Anyway, I'll go on. I'll accept the person. No, you did. you're already not accepting the person, but I won't accept their sins. Okay, well, I've written a ton of articles on that. I've written chapters and books on that. Being gay is not a sin. Acting on being gay is not a sin. That's a topic for a different discussion. I think I've even covered that in a podcast. We've covered it on the Heretic Happy Hour. I'm not here to defend uh, whether homosexuality or LGBTQ is a sin any longer. Because it's not. Moving on. Quote. We, but do you, see, do you see the accusation there? Again, it starts right out with an accusation. You are a liar. You're accusing me of being a liar. I have not once lied about any of this stuff. There is a chance that God does not like gay people. I don't know that God. I don't think that God exists. But that God does exist, lowercase g, the God for people who don't like gay people. That's their God. I don't think that God literally exists, but I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. My experiences could be wrong. All that. But I'm not lying. You can't accuse me of that. I mean, you can, but you're wrong. I'm not lying. I'm being forthright. I'm being 100% truthful on where I am at and what I believe. But it's not necessarily a lie, even if I'm wrong. But again, you're playing the role of accuser when you start like that. You are a liar. Okay, that's an accusation that is unfounded. Not lying about all this. Next one, quote, we are living in dangerous times as the Bible prophesied. (laughs) Repent to Jesus and do not reject him because if you reject Christ, hell is the place you will end up in. Now, there's not necessarily an accusation here. But there is an assumption that, well, there's like a veiled accusation that I have not repented. 
I have repented many times and I continue to repent. I try to live out of a place of perpetual repentance. That is why when you look back at the things I've written in All Set Free and then A Journey with Two Mystics and From the Blood of Abel, I may not necessarily disagree with everything. I may not necessarily think that everything is wrong, but I have moved past things and I've changed my mind on things. I continually change my mind about things. When presented with new information and new experiences, I continue to repent. I need to ask folks who always tell others to repent, which is kind of a veiled accusation of you're not repenting and you're living in sin continuously. When is the last time you changed your mind? Because that's what repent means. It means to change your mind. When is the last time a fundamentalist changed their mind about LGBTQ, about scripture, about hell, about atonement? When? I I mean, I don't know many fundamentalists who change. You look back 10 years on their life. They believe kind of the same things that they believed 10 years ago. So not much has changed. And I'm not saying you have to change your mind all the time. You don't have to be like this theological flip-flopper back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You do eventually put away the sledgehammer and start to chisel things away so it looks more subtle as you go. But you should have some major shifts. There should be some because unless you were given like this perfect theology throughout your whole life, You need to totally adjust some things. And I don't know anyone who was given like this beautiful theological framework. Now, maybe in a couple generations, as as many of us start to really shift where we've been at and hopefully raise our kids in better ways where to like piggyback on something Rob Bell says, your kids get to be 18, they turn into adults. And they have less and less to uh, to undo. Least amount to undo. That would be a good goal. But they'll still have to shift some things because we're, we're not perfect. We stand on the shoulders of others. So let's move on to the next one. Now this next quote doesn't have necessarily an accusation. But this gets into the Satan as executioner. Let me find the scholar who thinks that the Satan, rather than being um, the accuser, is, uh, is the executioner. So this would be uh, from Ryan Stokes. I don't know if I necessarily agree with, with this scholar, but and, and, and they, they kind of like, he pushes back on on from what i understand from the satan being the accuser to the executioner i don't necessarily think there's a difference between the two i mean maybe there's a literal difference but often you don't execute without accusations and you often don't accuse without some sort of execution now whether that's figurative or literal back in the day when we were burning heretics at the stake it was more literal We've gotten subtler in Christianity, and the accused accusations turn into a um, a quasi execution in canceling. Farewell, Rob Bell. 
things like that. Kicking like John Piper. Oh God, John Piper loves canceling people. Now he he had an article on Desiring God that came out and said that you need to be kicked out of church if you're married to a non-Christian. And Christians have the audacity to bemoan cancel culture. They invented it. So the accusation leads to either a literal execution as it was in the past and as uh, this next person uh, wants to get back to, and I'll read the quote in a second, but even if it's not a literal execution, it's a figurative one. It's an expulsion. It is the scapegoating mechanism par excellence. <laughs> it is, if you're, we're going to kick you out of this church so that the community remains whole and is at peace and we get rid of the problem. We get rid of Oedipus out of Thebes. We execute the Midianite and the Israelite couple in numbers so that the plague goes away. We get rid of Jesus because it's better for one man to die than the entire nation. And we become friends at the expense of these people. As Herod and Pilate experienced. So this person wants to get rid of those of us who are quote-unquote heretics. And so you become either the accuser or the executioner, but either way, you're the Satan. Whether you're the accuser in the way Gerard understands it, or if you're the executioner in the way Ryan Stokes, the, the, the scholar, understands it, you are the Satan, either way. So in the good old days, this is the quote, in the good old days, and this is what I got on Pathios, and this is, this is uh, essentially a veiled threat. In the good old days, you could lynch heretics in the name of purity. This is an, uh, uh, in response to an article on purity culture I wrote. Well, it wasn't an article. It was like a joke. <laughs> it was like two words. Um, unfortunately, purity is a thing of the past, even for so-called Christians. Now, this is a veiled threat to my mind. I don't think this person is advocating that I be lynched. But this person wishes that we could go back to the old days where we could lynch people. And it was not long ago where people were lynched in America predominantly black folks, but my folks too. As a person with Sicilian heritage, my people were lynched under Jim Crow. Not to the extent that black folks were, but still lynched in the streets. In fact, the biggest lynching, New Orleans, was a group of Sicilians that were blamed for a murder. It was the largest one one time lynching of uh, of anyone. We're Sicilian folks and Southern Italians, because we weren't we weren't white. We hung out with black folks. We lived and worked and played with black folks. Our cultures were shared together in the poorer communities, and this person wants to go back to the quote good old days, where you could lynch folks. Going back, I guess, to the dark ages where people who didn't have the right theology could be burnt alive on a wooden stake in the name of a God who claims, who Christians claim to be love. This is the shit spewing forth from Christians' mouths. And you could tell me it's on the fringes. But I see it more than some because I am out there talking to more people 
50,000 people in 30 days visited my site. Again, that's not the biggest blog in the world. But it, it, it's, it's a voice out there seeing multiple voices. And I'm seeing this over and over and over and over. Christianity, whether the Satan is the accuser or the executioner, is both. In the good old days, you could lynch heretics in the name of purity. Is that what we want to go back to? Is that what Jesus came to bring? Is that what it means to love God with all your mind, soul, heart, strength? Going back to the to, to the first quote I read, it's obvious I hate God, Jesus, and Scripture. Who? It's obvious this person hates other people. So much so that it would be good to go back to the good old days where you could kill other people in the name of your so-called purity. Fuck that. That's disgusting. It has not even been a hundred years since we did that in the States in the name of racial purity. And Christians of all people want to go back to that? And I'm the one who hates God and Jesus and scripture? Wow. I've only got one thing to say. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here with that. Let's get to the last one because <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> so um, the last one I posted on Facebook, um, a portion of it, it's a little too long for a front cover quote. But if, you, if you're not familiar with my book, Heretic, I didn't get um, traditional endorsements from friends of mine and, and other writers and scholars and things like that, um, like you normally do. My other books I have, I've gotten some of the world's best scholars to endorse my books um, and other thinkers and theologians and philosophers and all that. But in Heretic, I went a different route. I got, um, I got my detractors. I took their quotes and kept them anonymous for the sake of... Um, I guess respecting these people, <laughs> but in Heretic, I had um, I had three on the back and one on the front. On the front, it's beautiful. It says a perfect cocktail of disgusting lies. <laughs> if that doesn't make you want to read a book, I don't know what does. Um, so that was the best at that point. This one though that I got recently, which will go on the front cover of Apostate, um, this one takes the cake. Um. I will try to read it. If I don't make it all the way through, it's because I'm not a professional actor. Um, I read this to my wife when it when it was first written to me in the comment section of Pathos, and and I blocked this person, but I did I did save the quote. I was not able to read it all the way through because I started dying of laughter. Here it is. This is in response to something I said. I think about the LGBTQ community um, about an article affirming them or whatever. I don't remember exactly which one. Quote. So the skinny, effeminate nerd doesn't like Christians. This is not true. I love Christians. I know many Christians. I, uh, I do podcasts with Christians. <laughs> Katie Valentine is a Christian. She refuses to give up that, that uh, identity. Keith Giles is a Christian. Ralph Palendo, who produces the show, is a Christian. I love Christians. Um, 
Also, I think it's funny that when you um, when you are ideal body weight and you are thinner, you're you're a skinny effeminate nerd. <laughs> now, nerds, let's let's be honest, run companies. Uh, people who aren't nerds work for them. <laughs> so I don't know how that's a slight. Um, and I guess when you're six three, uh, one ninety five, uh, you're you're skinny. But uh, but but I digress. So the skinny effeminate nerd doesn't like Christians. Then run far away, nerd. We will miss you like a kidney stone. I've never had a kidney stone. Uh, I imagine passing them is awful. I'm not running anywhere, and I don't need to be told where to go. Um, they they go on. If you're a Christian, Satan is a Christian. The logic of that is airtight, um, beautifully written. If you're a Christian, Satan is a Christian. I will challenge the um, kind of the if-then statement there. Um, I don't know how if I'm a Christian, then Satan is a Christian. The irony of being so accusatory here is uh, is not lost on me here. So if I'm a Christian, Satan, Satan himself is a Christian. That means I am synonymous with Satan. All worship me. Bow down, bitches. Then this is the last um, sentence coming up. The piece de resistance of this beautifully written comment on Patheos. The only thing you ever worship is your own wide, (laughs) wide with a D, dirty, diseased asshole, Jacob from Portland. Um, Fantastic. I will say this. I think the anus is very important in, uh, <laughs> in our, in our functioning physiology. I think it's important to keep, uh, keep mind of your anus, um, and, and, um, take care of your anus. Uh, to quote Dwight Schrute, don't get me started on how coddled the modern anus is. Um, it's, it's good to keep, uh, to keep your anus clean and, um, and to, uh, (laughs) make sure it's functioning properly. Go see a colorectal surgeon if you need to. Um, so I, I understand this. So my anus, um, I've had a couple colonoscopies. It is, uh, it's neither wide nor dirty nor diseased. I, I don't have a um, colorectal disease, you know, so I don't know how this person knows this or if they think they got into my medical records and violated HIPAA to do so. Um, so, I, so I'm not sure on this one. To me, it sounds like psychological proje- projection, but, um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> But I, I, I can't I can't pretend that this is not beautifully written. Um, just as a writer, um, it just it, it flows off the tongue. Um, I didn't have to edit anything here. This was all like very nicely done. The commas were in the right spot. The, the, the punch lines were nice and punchy. Um, no words were wasted. <laughs> it was it was lovely. Uh, but all kidding aside, it is the epitome of what it means for a Christian to be Satan. And and I don't use that as as itself a pejorative. I just mean in the literal sense of the word that you are accusatory and your words and actions, if Ian had their way, 
would would result in me being lynched, burnt at the stake as a heretic in the name of keeping the community, the Christian community, pure. And this is exactly what Girard has talked about, about the scapegoating mechanism, about bringing unity at the expense of an enemy other, of a surrogate. So whatever is wrong in these folks' lives, whatever they see as wrong in Christianity, in America, it is our fault. Those who hate God, Jesus, and Scripture. Those who they say hate God, Jesus, and Scripture. If they only got rid of us, if they only got rid of the LGBTQ community, if they only got rid of the apostates and the heretics, if they only got rid of the non-Christians, for some, if they only got rid of black folks or indigenous folks, people of color, this is a trend that has been going on for as long as human community has gone on. We see it in the writings of the Bible. We see it in the writings of other mythologies. We get rid of one, a group or a person, so that we can have harmony and catharsis. And so our community has that pressure release valve that we need in order to function as a, uh, air quotes here, peaceful community. If we burn the heretics, if we lynch the apostates, if we kill the gay folks. This is continuing on today, albeit in a more subtle way. Generally. Generally. There are, there are literal killings that happen still. But generally, it's farewell, Rob Bell. It's we'll kick you out of church if you're married to a non-Christian. It's, we will shit all over you on social media. We are the gate, gatekeepers and arbiters of the faith. We, 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 at the expense of you, you, you. Now, we, again, we all engage in this. I am not innocent completely. I still find myself gossiping. I still find myself wanting to go tit for tat with these people. And linguistically and cunningly, shit all over them and tell them to fuck off. And it's hard not to. It's hard not to. When someone says in the good old days you could lynch people like me and they hide behind a keyboard and do so, it's hard not to clap back. And I've done it before. I've clapped back before. But here's here's an idea, Christians. Let's 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 have an idea here. Let's put let's not put people in a position where they have to always defend themselves. Let's not put people in a position where they're going to have to get real mimetic and they're going to have to test their own patience. Life can be patience testing enough. We're in the midst of a pandemic. We don't get to see family as much as we want to and friends and loved ones. We're stuck at home. We're at our wit's end half the time. Life is difficult enough to not have to put one another through the ringer and not have to test each other's patience like this. You can read an article you do not agree with and do not like and then close the browser and be done with it. 
You don't have to clap back. You don't have to put this shit on someone's Patheos blog. You don't have to. You're not doing any damn bit of good by doing so. What bit of good are you doing telling someone, oh, you obviously hate God, Jesus, and Scripture? You're just putting them in a position where they have to defend themselves and either walk away, either talk about it with, um, without then scapegoating you and ac- accusing you, which I'm trying to do here, but you're, you're not doing any damn bit of good. We've gotten to this place where it's like anytime we see something we disagree with, we not only have to say that we disagree and why the person's wrong, but then we have to get real personal. You are a liar. You hate God. You worship your own asshole. (laughs) In the good old days, we could lynch you. Just scroll on. If that's what you really think, just scroll on. Real simple. Real simple, folks. So I will get into it more in apostate in the appendix on why Christianity is, is often the accuser. Not to demonize Christians. I doesn't mean I hate Christianity and Christians. I love a lot of people who are Christians. It just means that if we're going to have a, a theology of Satan, let's not be that Satan. So no matter what position you take on Satan, whether he is a being or whether it's an understanding of the human psychology, or whether it's an understanding of of more an anthropology or sociology, where we all become kind of the uh, something bigger than the sum of our parts, which is the, the thing I take. Yes, psychologically, we can all individually be Satan, but communally, it's even more so about what I think the Satan is. It becomes more than the sum of its parts. Like in the book of Job, all those individual Satans coming together and becoming the community or the mob and demonizing and scapegoating Job or simply what we're doing here on online where we're simply throwing out accusations to people who just disagree with us. No one knows me personally here. No one knows how I treat my wife, my friends, my loved ones, my daughter, how I raise her. No one knows any of that. It's simply based on what I write. So it's like it's like when when Rob Bell was farewelled, John Piper I'm imagining did not know what Rob Bell was like, how he raised his kids, how he how he talked to his family, how he and his wife got along or didn't get along or or whatever. Nothing of that. Nothing personal. Just I don't think you believe in hell. I read Love Wins or maybe I read the synopsis and so I'm going to farewell you. I'm going to cancel you because you questioned the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. Now this is this is astounding, folks. Again, and the irony is not lost on me that Christians tend to bemoan liberal cancel culture, and to some degree I get it. I get that. I get that people should not be canceled for something they said ten years ago necessarily. This gives no room for growth and change. And like I said at the opening, we change a lot, we repent a lot, we look back ten years and say, I no longer think anything remotely similar to that. So I get that there's some critique to be had about cancel culture. Absolutely. But y'all came up with it. If hell isn't the ultimate cancel culture, I don't know what is. That's the ultimate cancel. And y'all kicking people out, excommunicating people out, 
of your churches, Catholic, Protestant, doesn't matter. That's cancel culture. And y'all invented it. So, with that, I'm going to move on with my day. Do some editing on this episode. I'm going to sit down with Hemet Mehta in a little while here. And he will be the interview that I use for next week's episode. And, uh, you know, I wish you all a happy end of the year. No matter what uh, holiday you celebrate. Christmas. Hanukkah. Whatever, whatever you're into, or no, or if you don't celebrate, I just hope you have a great end of the year. I hope you are able to uh, hang out with your family in some way, do it on Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. We'll all get through this. We've been at this thing for like nine months now. We can get through it. Life is not always going to go our way, all right? So peace and love. Check me out on Patreon. Support my work. The link is in the show notes. Love y'all. Bye.